This week's episode of the Getting to Know podcast is brought to you by Pride Month. Today and every day, we honor and celebrate our LGBTQIA employees. Hey, everybody. It's Mike Rickheim. Thanks for joining us again today for another edition of the Getting to Know podcast. Today, I'm joined by the managing director of our Colton Hove business, Mr. Arnaud Rulinsa. Arnaud, thanks for joining us today on the Getting to Know podcast. Thank you, Mike. It's good to see you. Now, on the Getting to Know podcast, obviously, it's an audio experience, but I had the chance to, as COVID has begun to wind down, had the chance to spend some time with you recently. On the webcast here, you don't appear to be as big a dude as what you actually are, but I think you're rolling, what, seven feet, six inches or something like that? Yeah, six feet, uh, seven, something like that, but... And the weight is uh, also uh, <laughs> impressive. <laughs> you got the body of an 18-year-old, six-foot-seven guy. One of the questions I get when I'm abroad, they always ask me, are you an American football player or are you playing rugby? But <laughs> none of those two are. <laughs> Did you ever play any basketball? No, I play volleyball. You played volleyball. Yeah. Gotcha. Do you still play volleyball? No, with my age, the, it's not good for the knees. I play now a little bit tennis and and. I recently uh, started with getting my uh, golf uh, permit for the golf course. It's a little bit more uh, good for this age. Gotcha. So, Arnaud, we'll meander around both personally and professionally, and I will do the best I can to do that in order with the, the limited gifts that God gave me. But let's start from a business perspective. So, talk to us about your role, what your responsibilities are, what you do on a day to day basis. As a managing director of uh, Nina Koldenhoven, I'm here uh, in the lead for the for the management team here. As you, as you probably know, we have here uh, the sales and the production and the supply chain, um, the innovation here all at uh, the Airbag site. So as a managing director, I'm uh, uh, head of the team here. And on a daily basis, that's the biggest part of my, my role here. And as I always say, in the morning, it's uh, always airbag. And in the afternoon, it's more uh, focused on the U.S. Uh, side because of the, the, the time difference, of course. Once we wake up, we start bothering you and cha- changing up the day for you. So managing director, help us understand, probably half of our listening audience is based in the U.S. It's probably not a, a term or a role that's as familiar. Um, but my understanding is... You're the guy that goes to jail if we do bad things there. Is that right? That's correct. For the Dutch law, I'm the the CEO of uh, Airbag. So if things really go wrong, I'm the guy who uh, goes to jail uh, here. Yeah. So I think also a little bit in in the, uh, as you call it, country manager of the Netherlands. So yeah, all what has to do with with finance and laws and uh, all these kind of things, that's uh, where I'm responsible for. Gotcha. So as the guy on the hook, for everything related to your fine country you mentioned you you've got everything from you know sales to production to supply chain you've got hr and finance hanging out there um and and beyond that tell me about your background where where, what's your area of expertise where did you grow up my background is really uh, operations i i studied uh, technical engineering I started at Koldenhoven in 1987 after this technical engineer and uh, serving the army uh, for uh, two years. And yeah, I think 20, almost more than 20 years, uh, my background is uh, is operations and especially production. 
What does a great day look like as the managing director of Golden Hove's business? If I have a quiet day, then everything goes as it should go. And that's always the best day, uh, the, the best day there is. So you joined in 1987. That's a good long run with the company. What stands out as the most significant change or changes uh, through that time period? The biggest change is when Nina bought us. It was not the hardest thing. I think in the early 2000, Colin Oval almost went down the drain from a financial perspective. So in that period with all the reorganization, that was, I think, the most challenging period. Being a, a family-owned company and now for the, the stock exchange, yeah, that's that's also uh, a change, but not, not a hard one as it was uh, in the early uh, 2000. So now, did Nina come in and acquire the Colton Hove business directly from the family, or was there a private equity or different ownership at some point, or did it go right from... No, the, 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 the company was owned by the family and for 20% at that time from uh, the management team and uh, the, the director, the managing director uh, during that period. So what is the most dramatic difference between being a family-owned business versus uh, being part of a publicly traded company? I think with a family-owned company, you have also, yeah, let's say some, some family structure, but it also gives the the issues which you also have in families. So sometimes people here said to me, yeah, but now you are uh, in a talk exchange, it's more difficult. No, I think with a mother, uh, as I call it, like Nina, uh, there are also much more opportunities. For example, uh, if you have a good plan and a good investment, there's money available. Uh, during the time of the family-owned company, you could have very good ideas, but if there was no money, then that's a disadvantage of a, a family-owned uh, company. I have never worked for a family-owned company, but I do, in fact, have a family. So the idea of working with those people scares the hell out of me. So I don't take a lot of convincing there. <laughs> sometimes you're right. <laughs> yeah, sometimes with family, there are other issues which you don't have uh, during uh, private-owned companies. Sure. So speaking of family, let's transition a little more uh, on the or to the personal front. So you uh, you are a Dutch national. You were born how far from Airbake? 15 miles. In a town called uh, Deventer is a little bit up north, but still in the middle of a great country. Uh, <laughs> so for an American, yeah, this is, what is it? It's not even a state, <laughs> the Netherlands. Well, you have what, about 16, 17 million people? Yeah, 17 million people. 17 million very tall people. Maybe not as tall as you, but true or false, I believe the Dutch are officially the tallest people on our planet now. Yeah. Yeah, that's correct, Mike. Yeah. So you grew up in the area. Tell me a little bit about your family. With my second wife, uh, Jacqueline, we live here uh, in Brummen. That's uh, even uh, five miles uh, from the, uh, the facility. We have four kids. The oldest one is 28 and the youngest is 21. And they are all uh, outside. So we, we live together in our uh, housing uh, and the kids are all uh, one is in the south, uh, two in Amsterdam. One is living here in the Zutphen, you know, the town where uh, where your hotel was. Yeah, absolutely. So bicycle transportation is a very common thing in the Netherlands, correct? Yeah, correct. So in Amsterdam, if I'm not mistaken, there are just bikes for the taking. People don't feel the same level of ownership. They just grab a bike and, and, and move around and they may have a different bike when they come out, correct? Yeah. Does that happen near Airbeek or other parts of the country? 
Now it's still happening, but not as much as as in the past because you have now a lot of bikes which you can rent and they have better uh, uh, things and they have also this GPS tracking on it. So it's a little bit more difficult than it was in the in in the past. But there are more bikes in Holland than people. So yeah, is that right? Yeah. So then I I was thinking that was a way of life or an understanding. The way that you just described that perhaps that was uh, bike thieving is that so was it people officially stealing bikes i didn't realize that no yeah that's that it's still stealing but yeah especially in the big cities yeah if somebody steals my bike i steal the other ones and in the end uh yeah (laughs) they all have a bike so so with the, the the tallest people on the planet riding around on bikes are these bigger bikes than i'm accustomed to because i can't you know i wouldn't want to see you guys out there on like uh what's look like a tricycle no 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 it's i think it are still normal bikes but uh the new thing is that it it becomes all electrical bikes uh, now so uh, that's still uh that your energy you can use your energy to grow and not to bike oh there we go there we go there we go so uh what do you and the the wife do for fun now that the kids are all out of the house and and spread out have a good dinner, a good glass of wine, visit some cities. And yeah, I recently came back from uh, my holidays from uh, Croatia and uh, Italy. So we uh, we made a tour with our uh, mobile home. Yeah. So is it, is it the kind you, you attach to your truck or your car or is it you drive it? Yeah, you drive it. You yeah. drive this thing around. How big is this? This is uh, eight meters, so that's uh, 24 feet. For American, it, it's still a small one. <laughs> so you drove the whole time, and what do you you find like a campground type of? No, my wife dri- drives this thing uh, also because then I can also sit and enjoy uh, <laughs> the surroundings. Yeah. Are you dragging behind you another car so that you can explore the city, or you're 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 exploring in the camper? We we take our electrical. Our electrical bikes, we take them. Okay, so how long was this excursion? Two and a half weeks. And we drove 4,400 kilometers. So that's, uh, what is it, divided by one position, a little less than 3,000 miles. Okay, great, great. So what was the best part of the trip in Croatia or Italy for the Getting No podcast audience if they're considering one of those locations for a holiday? I think in Croatia, it's, if you go there, you should absolutely visit the Plivic Lakes. It's a national park in uh, in Croatia. Yeah, and in Italy, uh, Tuscany, Tuscany, we were in Tuscany and, and Lake Como, and in uh, of course in Venice because of the COVID, Venice is not very crowded now. So uh, yeah, we took the opportunity to uh, to visit Venice. Yeah, were the majority of the restaurants and stores retail was it was it mostly open? Yeah, still still open and and. Especially the food and the wine in Italy, of course. That's uh, yeah, that's a joy to be there. <laughs> so, what's the perfect night? You you mentioned you know good good glass of wine, good dinner. What's the perfect meal for you and your wife on any given evening? And who's making it? To be honest, my wife is making it, and that's that's. I'm I, I can also cook, but not not very uh, sophisticated. Uh, let us say that's more the pastas and uh, the potatoes. I really like a good steak. That's uh, to have a good good meal. Yeah, that's w- what I really like. And unfortunately, my wife as well. So uh, to have a good T-bone steak. Yeah, that's uh, where you can wake me up. So you mentioned earlier that 
you know, with the U.S. waking up uh, as your day is halfway through, it's almost like a, a second shift, if you will. Are you more of a night owl naturally? Are you a morning guy? Have ha, has working with the U.S. kind of changed your work patterns? Well, the agenda is more influenced by by the U.S. and that's the only difference. I I'm not really. I don't like to be. Uh, very early in the mornings. I think I'm more uh, an afternoon or a night guy than uh, a morning uh, a morning guy. Gotcha. Well, that works out well then, because yeah. we we couldn't we couldn't more often than not catch you too early in your morning anyway. Yeah. So yeah. You don't need to worry about Julie or Jason Free bothering you too early. Yeah. If, if it's six for them, then it's uh, here in the afternoon. So that's, right. that's not a problem. <laughs> that's that's exactly right. So what are the biggest challenges? Like if you had a magic wand, or I think you've once referred to it as a magic stick, so I'll try to be more locally uh, relevant. If you had a magic stick and could wave it to fix some of the challenges that you ex- you experience it, uh, with Cold and Hove business or at Nina in general, what would you focus that magic stick on? I would still focus it on, on, on safety. Of course, we want to have zero uh zero recordables and if i would wave my magic stick it will be uh, as of this moment and sustained for the for the next years uh, in that that's still one of my biggest wishes and and work on to have really zero recordables uh, in that because i always say here that's not uh, a thing which you can redo if it happens to you not something you can redo for sure so h- how is your business's safety performance in route to that um, zero incident goal. No, that's not not good. We had uh, 41 days ago uh, a recordable. Yeah, that's not a good achievement uh, for that. And we're working hard on that. But that's where we really have to uh, to improve and get back to the sustain uh, zero incidents. How do you feel about the progress that's being made on that front? Oh, it's always too slow because every recordable is uh, one too much and it's working every day on it. Yeah, we are still not still not there last year one recordable and this year a recordable so yeah so at the time of this recording uh we just are in the midst of wrapping up the olympics are you a big olympics fan do you get out all the orange gear to celebrate your country yeah i i didn't uh, saw it all on television because we we were uh yeah, two of two weeks we were uh, in Italy and, and Croatia, but uh, I followed it on the mobile phone. Do you have a preference uh, for summer versus winter Olympics? Yeah, I think we are. The winter Olympics for the Dutch guys is always ice skating, and and I'm not a very a big fan of ice skating, so I prefer the summer uh, the summer games. Do the Dutch athletes typically perform better in the summer Olympics versus winter? Um, yeah, I think. I think they do. There are more kind of sports. In in the Winter Olympics, we can only uh, have medals on ice skating, uh, speed skating, and the rest, skiing and all these kind of things, we, we're not well at that. that we never had a, a, an Olympic medal on uh, downhill skiing or these kind of things. I think we had once the snowboard, but uh, yeah, the summer uh, is better better one for you have these massive people i mean you it, it might be scary to see all these you know six foot seven foot people flying down mountains right yeah that sometimes you have to make a curve so that's not really 
<laughs> and yeah, they are not pretty good. But I think you mentioned you're a skier, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is that one of the one of your one of your favorite pastimes? Yeah. If 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 it's possible, I like to go in in January or February. I would like to go for for skiing in Austria or in in, uh, in Italy. Gotcha. Are your your kids and your wife into skiing too? Yeah, yeah. They uh, if I mentioned that we that I have some ideas to go skiing, they uh, they immediately uh, say that they will uh, will join me. Yeah. Gotcha. So you said Austria and where else do you like to go? Uh, Italy or in in uh, Switzerland, but uh, yeah, Austria has the best skiing facilities. So Austria has the best skiing facilities. What's your favorite city that you've ever visited? Not not for skiing, just in general. I like New York. That's that's absolutely and and also San Francisco. It's really different than what we have here. Yeah. Yeah. What city would you choose for the best food? Might be where you just came from. Yeah, I think uh, I had some really good food in Siena. So yeah, I think it will be one of the uh, the, the cities in Italy. Yeah. How about the best beach? You know, you're 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 probably better traveled than a lot of our folks. The best beach for me, yeah, uh, that's that's uh, a beach in uh, Curaçao. Curaçao has some Dutch roots, no? Yeah, Curaçao is a Dutch uh, uh, colony. How you call it? Yeah, it's not anymore a colony, but uh, from the past it was. Yeah. Do you get there frequently at all, or too too long a trip? This year I haven't been there, but the, the previous two years uh, I've been there for a week. Yeah. So if you had to choose between a week of laying down, doing nothing, sun on the beach versus a vacation up in the mountains where you can do some skiing, what are you choosing? I would absolutely choose skiing. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. So when you're not traveling around, uh, either in your camper or flying to a beach or, or someplace to go skiing, do you watch television or move you watch a lot of movies no sometimes uh, uh, television in the evening but mostly it's then the the news uh, uh, in the evening but i also like to sit in the garden and and have a good glass of wine work a little bit in the garden i'm not really a guy to sit still and just watch uh, the surrounding no i rather like to do some things from a music standpoint do you remember what your first concert was or not I think it was uh, Bruce Springsteen in Rotterdam. Really? In Rotterdam? Yeah. 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 What year was that? 1980 or, or late 70s or something like that. Yeah. So you were a very young man traveling to Rotterdam for some Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band, I assume, the whole the whole crew? Yeah. It's not very young. I think I was 17 or 18 or so, something like that. So, yeah. Yeah. I saw Bruce Springsteen's daughter just won an Olympic medal in uh in equestrian oh okay pretty crazy you saw him you know 40 years ago in rotterdam uh is that the best concert you ever saw no to be honest i think the best concert uh for me was coldplay okay does coldplay have some dutch roots or am i making that up no they they, they are from the, the from the uk no. okay gotcha so or not at the end of every getting to know podcast we ask our guests three specific questions i'm going to hit you with those now. The first of which is, what can always be found in your family's refrigerator? 
for a Dutch guy, there's always milk and cheese in the refrigerator. Yeah. Milk and cheese. Uh, I assume you're not like Jason Free with almond milk. This is probably real milk for a real ops guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. And as it relates to the cheese, are we like all different kinds of cheese? Is there like a specific Dutch cheese or are these like different kinds of fancy cheeses? You have the, the, the Gouda cheese that's really for to put on your bread. But uh, I also like the, the French uh, cheese for uh, having a snack when you have a good glass of wine. Gotcha. So Arnaud, second question. Amongst those who know you well, what would you say you're most famous for? I think if I look here at Koldenhoven, they know me from no data, no talk. So that's that's one of my uh, things. And the second thing is that, that my door is always always open so guys can always step in if they have issues or these kind of things that's good i like that from a leadership standpoint um and the first thing you said was no data no talk yep basically you know back it up yeah the, otherwise i hear some 150 opinions and that's what i always like it's good to have an opinion but if you have also data and, and show me that's much better to do than to have 150 opinions that's great well, last question for you, Arnaud. What is it that you are most currently looking forward to? I'm now looking forward to have dinner with my mom because it's her birthday and I promised her to have dinner with her uh, this evening. So I'm, I'm looking forward for it. That's great. That's great. Have you have you been seeing her much during COVID or, or, or less frequently? No, less, less frequently. But, but uh, I will visit her now because uh, I haven't seen her... Uh, since my holiday, so uh, she became 84 uh, today, so uh, we will have dinner. And, uh, well, good for you, and happy birthday to your mom as well. Thank you. What a good son. Well, now thanks for taking the time out of your busy day. Uh, of course, we did this um, in in what is essentially your second shift, so I appreciate you flexing your, your day for us, but appreciate that time. I'm sure the getting to know podcast audiences enjoyed getting to know a little bit more about you like i said appreciate that time and for those of you in the listening audience thank you for your time as well and we'll talk to you again in two more weeks thanks for now okay thank you mike